This is Tom King. I now write Batman, but I still love Dick. And this is still 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> Right on the money. All right. Yeah. Yeah, be worried. Who dis? Wild to say so. New phone, oh. who dis? Dude, speaking of new phone, who dis? <laughs> I'm going to tell this on the air because it's hilarious. Got C2E2 coming up, okay. right? And I haven't, I haven't chatted up with, with, with Chris in a while, right? Right. So I texted him. I said, new phone, who dis? Am I going to see you with C2E2 in a week and a half? Right? <laughs> he writes back. Oh, hey, this is Christopher Neesmith. Because <laughs> oh, he thought, like, Lord. I was like, new phone, who dis? I'm like, right. dude. Yes. I'm like, dude, you didn't text me. Like, what? Like, I'm like, how would, of course I know it's you. Like, <laughs> I didn't, like, get some random text from you and then be like, who dis? He's like, oh, I don't know, man. He's like, you know, I'm old. I'm like, Jesus, dude. I'm like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> uh. Oh. Uh. I was just soaking my foot in Elpton salt, and uh, <laughs> that's what he said. He's like, "I'm, I'm an old, I'm an old curler. I, I lost my memory." Oh boy! <laughs> Checking the weather for tomorrow, but the almanac. Yeah, right. Precisely. Precisely. He would think of our spotlighted book this week. Oh, it probably wouldn't be up his alley. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's all good. It's all good, and you know what else is good? You people for listening to this. Episode 595 of 11 O'Clock Comics, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B., and I am David A. Price. Yes, you are, and you're all blasphemers because I am Caiaphas. <laughs> I thought for sure you'd be Pontius Pilate. Nope. No, but you're not You're not KFC. You're Jason. Caiaphas. You're Jason, Jason Wood, everybody. Like you're Jason. You're Jesus Christ. You're not. Close, but no cigar. Mm-hmm. And hey, you don't have to pray to Jesus to get cheap comic books and essential bric-a-brac from the previews catalog. All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, and you'll get your stuff for a fraction of what everybody else is paying, such as from Marvel, we got the Avengers No Road Home Trade Paperback, 10 mm. issues for a lousy fourteen ninety-nine From uh, DC... It is a Snyder and Capullo back at the Batman with uh, a prestige format limit series, uh, three issues. This is number one, and it is called Batman Last Night on Earth. Cover price is five ninety nine. You can has it for $2.99. Bringing up the rear, but not in our hearts, it's good old Kevin Eastman, who is giving you Drawing Blood, Spilled Ink, number one of four. From uh, Kevin Eastman and David Avalon, with art by Eastman and Various. It is a three ninety nine book, but you are smart. You know where to go, and you can get it for forty five percent off the cover price. That amounts to a lousy two dollars and nineteen cents. Discount Comic Book Service does not mind late orders or order additions, and you are graced with the presence of a costumed custodian of whatever delivery service you get, and they will bring it right to your door. They can't come in, they won't bring it to you on the couch, but they'll bring it to the door, so you can have one of the kids or the wife get it and bring it to you. You won't even have to move. DCBService.com. Or the husband, whatever. 
they'll bring it too. I bet. Yes, sir. Yeah. Those Avengers. We need. You know what we need? We need no surrender and no word home together in a dual slipcase. I'd settle for an omnibus. Well, that'd be yes. cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I got to thank you. Well, before you delve into that, oh, yes. Okay. Why don't you grace us with the knowledge of what you're drinking? Oh, damn. I'm all out of practice. It's only been four days. Um, I am drinking another different beer. I'm on a roll. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to pick it up because I know that you're drinking water. Uh, I am drinking from the Smutty Nose Brewing Company. Wow. Uh, the Robust Porter. Mm. What's uh, You had me with Smutty Nose, but then you I went off the rails with Porter. Oh, I love me some porter. Yeah, is it taste full? Oh, it's full bodied. Oof. It's nutty. <laughs> A hint of caramel. Caramel. So good. Mm. No. Smoky. Oh boy. Dap. Six six point two percent by uh, volume of alcohol. Well you need about <laughs> six of those then. Alcohol by volume, not volume by alcohol. You know what I, you know what I mean. I sure got gotcha. you. There you go. No. It should be no. like nine, ten percent. That's uh, that, well the one side the one I was drinking the imperial was but this is the stout was but oh. well, as long as you're enjoying it mm. it's all that matters that's delicious I'm gonna have hopefully many porters with my brothers in ten fucking days wow <laughs> jeez <laughs> a little bit of Joker Oof, going on man. there wait you want to let everybody down Vince water all right water and water everywhere guest tonight uh. Vince's water is going to turn into my wine from Alamos Cabernet Sauvignon, based in Argentina. That was good. That was like really that? good. Yeah. That was not, but that was really good. Um, Jason, yes. who, who you have a thank you? I have a thank you for all of us. What? Yes. He sent it to me because... Oh, I think I know what this is. Because he knew that I would be seeing y'all, and I could give them to you. So Yes, I, I can't wait. Jason, hopefully these gifts get to you before you see your peeps. I know you don't have the flaming carrot love that David and Vince have, but that you'll at least appreciate the dig at MAGA. Thanks for the show. Love you guys as always. Trevor Plop. And it is three red hats, which from behind you might be worried that they're MAGA hats. <laughs> might be worried about that. But when you turn them around and look at the front, they are not MAGA hats. You have Make America Goofy Again with the Flaming Carrot. So they're make they're they're MAGA, but they're Make America Goofy Again, Flaming <laughs> Carrot Comics. And by the way, each hat is signed yes. by the man himself. What? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How yeah. How, is, how is this possible? Uh, Trevor Plop is the man and he loves it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, um, Trevor hit me up, um, because he already, oh, you knew this was coming? Jason's address, and, oh, okay, and then. I knew it was coming, uh, and I was hoping it would get there before C2E2, um, so, uh, he, he was like, you know, do, do I send it to you guys? I says, you know, we're, we're, we're all going to see each other before the end of the month, so, I mean, if it, if, if, if you're insistent on, on, uh, gifting us, then, then by all means go ahead and, and, uh, and send it to Jason, so that, uh, I cannot wait. Well, now I know what I'm wearing to the con. There you go. I'm gonna roll the brim like you should. I never leave. Oh, it you got to go. Yeah, I never gotta. leave it flat. No, nope. that's that's no. a bad look. No, that just nope. 
I don't. So much love to you, Trevor. That. Really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you very much. Yep. So I have to say something. Oh, uh, yeah. You know that I'm not big on the TV. Uh, That's correct. I rarely watch a program to completion. Um, last true. one I I did was Twin Peaks season three, only because it's the that beat of, it's the beat of my heart, right? So, but that you want to see Master? No, no. Well, you watch that with us? No, I don't. Nope. All right, Dick. That said, I think I have stumbled upon what I consider, in my limited scope, the best television adaptation of a comic book series I have ever seen. Wow. Yep. Oh, Umbrella Academy. Nope. Deadly Class. My man. Oh Deadly, my cl- Deadly Class is amazing. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it's you were going to go there. Oh, right. I love you so much. Uh, it's perfect. It is. It oh, is. it's so good. And and I don't love it because it's exactly like the comic, although there are it, it's pretty damn faithful, right? But I love it because it encapsulates everything that I enjoy about the comic, but it, it 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 does it in a way that I didn't I didn't expect. Like you're not. I don't think Remender wanted us to like everyone in the comic, and yet four episodes in, and I like everyone in the show. They're bastards. Yes, yes they're they're complete bastards. Most of them, but I'm. I mean, I feel for Petra. Um, yeah, Maria is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! She's my new ingenue, dude. Okay, I, no, I'm I, saying like she's the new muse, the new artistic muse. I love her so much. Okay, I just think it's 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 amazing television, and no punches are pulled. It's it's graphic, and and the the language is terrible. It's 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 everything I wanted. Yes, but oh, I didn't. It, I didn't even know I wanted it. But after watching four episodes, I'm like, I I have not seen. A comic to TV transition done as well as Deadly Class. Yes. Right? Well, it's so glad you bring this up, Vince. Okay. Because there are two episodes left of this season. And I was actually chatting on the DMs with Mr. Rick Remender. Wow. Yes. And as it turns out, because, you know, we live in a strange world now where nobody watches TV live and then there's the DVR, but it, but the ratings matter based on how many days after a show airs that you watch it. So there's like T plus two, T plus three. Uh, long story short, uh, he's pleased with how things are going. He thinks there's a good chance that they get more seasons. But the best way for us to guarantee that there's a second season is to watch the last two episodes live. He said he knows it's stupid that in today's world watching it live matters, but it very much matters. And so... Uh, I know a lot of people don't want to watch commercials, so the bottom line is do what I'm going to do. Have it on your one of your TVs live while you're recording it, and then if you want, go back and rewatch it or watch it again. You know, just don't – you know what I mean? Like have it on, but don't be watching it if you don't want to watch the commercials. But but we, I think we all agree we want more Deadly Class. It would be an absolute travesty if this beautiful show doesn't get to tell more stories. Preach. So to do that, watch it live. It's on Wednesdays on Sci-Fi at 10 p.m. Eastern. You have two episodes left. Just tune into those two episodes. If you love me at all, you will do that. Henry Rollins? Henry Rollins? Really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But You know, it, what's, what's crazy about the show, sorry, Vince, is that this, in, in the comic, obviously, you know, Wes 
draws Victor beat the lies, and, and he's just he's 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 a horrible character in the comic book. The way he treats people, the way he acts, behave. It's just, but the act, the live action Victor. I actually he's he's there's he feels as real as every other student in the school. There's there's nobody is is more over the top than the other. Everybody's pretty much on equal foot. I mean, yes, you have the everybody has the classes and whatnot, but it is it's it's a it's a fantastic show. Blew away every expectation I had. Oh man, I'm so glad that everybody's loving it. It's it's incredible. It really is. It's just incredible. I I can't even believe that it exists. Honestly, <laughs> I just right? I love it that much. Yep. Yep. It's a triumph, and and it's you know coming from a an independent comic like uh, yes, it's from Image, but still. You have to wonder, like the the deck was stacked against it to be this good. It's it's the, the deck right. is stacked against every comic to television transition because you have mm-hmm. so many other hands in the pot, studio sure. executives and 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 yes men and and just people that don't really understand the 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 property. Their job is to just make a successful show. They don't care if they're faithful to what the source to the source material or or not. But this. It 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 seems genuine. It seems like it's 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 a beautiful sidecar to the mm-hmm. com to the comic, right? It's not exactly like the comic. It could never be. It's not flat, you know. It's not on right. paper. But but you have these these kids that are taking up the roles of these characters we've read for um, by now years, and it it just feels wonderful. And and once they start dropping, it's going to be hard. Right, because mm-hmm. they they're flawed characters. They have problems, and 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 um, the, the whole roll call, hopes and dreams. But wow, what an amazing show! You just warm my heart. Yep, so good. Uh, I watched the first episode of um- Umbrella Academy. Meaning one and done. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. I haven't watched it yet, so I can't speak on it. And and I I've seen that get a lot of praise. That's where I thought you were going with it, just yeah, because no. it seems like that show's getting just incredible amounts of praise. To be honest, the, the source material is 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 not beloved to me. It's it's okay. Mm-hmm. I like it, but it's not. It's certainly not on the level of Deadly Class. Sure, sure, right. right. That's fair. So yeah, awesome stuff. So we have a guest this week. That's the rumor. Yeah, and wow, what a guest! A powerhouse creator, and we invite you right now to listen to that. And we'll be back. After it's all said and done, because we got other stuff to talk about, this is 11 O'Clock Comics, right? So you, right. you enjoyed this, and we will be back. All right, we promised you a guest, and he is here with us now. He is the amazingly talented individual that was responsible for such comics like Night Business and Gangster Rap Posse, and you heard them all here before. Um, incredibly fantastic adventures of Maureen Dowd and the Blades and Lasers and a handful of books under the all-time comics imprint with my man Josh Bayer and company. But his latest is a, a rather hot tamale with uh, Joe Casey for Image called Jesus Freak. And we got Ben Mara in the house. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're glad to have you. Right on. Back again, ready to uh, be sacrilegious in the middle of Lent. I love it. <laughs> yeah, That's my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> Indeed. And on a Sunday, no less. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's perfect timing, uh, right? It is. It really is. For sure. 
So let's talk about the book. I mean, we, we've talked about all your other things, but it seems like this, this Jesus Freak uh, book with Joe is um, stirring up a little bit of uh, attention out there. Yeah, especially in the last, last few days. Um, yeah, Fox News caught wind of it, and we're not happy about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, I, they haven't even read the book yet, so I don't know. Of course. Uh, right. <laughs> and I watched... I no, I watched that little clip, and um, it starts off bad, and it just gets worse because that uh, that David Brody, um, yeah. he's the host of something called Faith Nation, and you know <laughs> that doesn't tell you everything you need to know. But um, one of the first things out of his mouth is, "Kids are going to read this," <laughs> and yeah, and, I don't know if any kids are going to read it. No, it's just it, it's he's approaching it from. Um, an old-fashioned uh, standpoint that, like, kind of approach. Number one, that comics are still available. You know, where's a kid right. going to get a comic unless he goes, he or she goes to a comic book store? But this thing is priced well beyond the the, the reach of of most children. Um, and it is isn't it a mature reader's book? It, it, as far as I know, uh, in my estimation, it is. I don't know if there's going to be any sort of like sticker on the front. Or anything like that that's going to, you know, say, suggest it for mature readers only or anything like that. Uh, but it certainly is an R-rated comic. It's not it's not directed toward kids at all. And, yeah, his his take was, you're right, uh, very much a, in, in line with Frederick Wortham, sort of like an old school comics that are only read by children, you know, which <laughs> hasn't been the case since probably the 80s um maybe the early 90s i think kids are way more interested in iphones and things like that these days yeah and um while we're at it we might as well just state the obvious i mean everybody who um is a regular listener of our show knows this but there may be some ears on this that haven't listened before um i'm an agnostic jason is an atheist and david's a jew Oh, right on. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't have a vested interest in this topic, per se, other than, I mean... But we're all married, the three of us are all married to women who are faith-based. Right. Really? Yeah. Yeah, my wife's practicing Catholic, as are my kids, yeah. Interesting. As are you, Vince, right? Yes. She is... Uh... My wife is Baptist, not that we, we, we... She goes to church too often, but yes, she does. She she She's a believer. And it's it's a weird existence, you know, because you have to balance the um, you have to pretend to be to be interested <laughs> in in some of the things. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep the relationship at least on an even keel, right? So, right. Uh, they, I think yeah. I think what they do is they tolerate us, and we some <laughs> you know sometimes feed their um, what what drives them. But um, I, so that so that's where we stand on this. So we don't really have a vested interest in the topic, other than it being. Um, a work of art. We examine it as the work of art that it is. And I, I didn't go in with any kind of um, chips on my shoulder or anything. I mean, it's, it's about a man named Jesus, right? And uh, yeah. the, um, the, the existential crisis he goes through before he realizes that, you know, I got something special here and, and I can use it to, to, to help people. And, and it, I mean, we'll get into it, but just to get back to the Fox piece, 
it, and, and it, it was a classic attack. Like, let's get the moms and dads all worked up into a frenzy by by scaring them into, you know, that their children would possibly be reading this. And then he goes to say that the good thing here is that it's fiction. <laughs> it's like, oh, boy. Yeah, like he said, could you imagine if this was nonfiction? Yes. Yeah. And, and then then he gets very graphic goes the the nonfiction is is version is bloody and and horrible and and because Jesus died on the cross and then he goes into the removing bibles from schools and removing god from the pledge of allegiance and maplethorpe's piss christ like he's all over the map and, mm-hmm. and let's just pick these these little nuggets that piss everybody off um but after reading the book i have to say it, if you were going to initiate or at least make Catholicism tempting for me. This is the Jesus I would want to read about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually felt like um, I agree completely. I, and I, I actually kind of wonder if there's any um, you know practicing uh, Christians who feel the same way, who are like, this is actually presenting Jesus in a way that maybe is very accessible to uh young people who um haven't really given it haven't given you know uh christianity a a close look you know this might be this might inspire their imagination to to seek seek more information um so yeah i wonder if there's if there's like a whole other uh take on this that that sort of sees it in a positive way i thought it was very respectful and very positive well, yeah, I, yeah. That's I all, just... And that's all credit to Joe, really. I have to say, because he's the one who uh, he did a lot of research, and you know, I mean, it informed the story that he eventually told. He wasn't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, holding himself uh, like too strictly close to, um, you know, the the stories from history. Uh, he he used he used the information to to tell this you know action story basically a genre based um, action story, um, but yeah but but Joe Joe was very sensitive with the material. I was just going to say that uh, you know having seen you guys when you announced this uh, last year and then knew it was coming and then you you know we reached out and knew we were going to have you on so I thought okay I you know I I really didn't have any preconceptions as to what this is going to be. I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was, I guess, blasphemous, if you will, like in terms sure. of, but I have to say, I mean, like you said, it, it is, it is a badass genre story where Jesus of Nazareth, you know, is, is the star, but, but it wasn't, I mean, from my vantage, and again, I'm coming from being an atheist. So from my vantage, I didn't think it was like sacrilegious or like blatantly disrespectful. Like this wasn't mocking, like this wasn't, there have been lots of books that 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 mock Christianity, right? Like like or satir or satirize it. This wasn't that, right? Now I I can't speak to you know devout Christians if if they find uh you know anything that's that's not biblical in nature to be sacrilegious, but but like this was not offensive. Like in terms of it, it wasn't intentionally offensive, right? You, you guys right. weren't trying to satirize religion, which was no. We were just trying to tell like. A really compelling story mm-hmm. um and i my, for my part i was really just uh interested in i mean this is one of the first times i've collaborated with somebody on this 
kind of level. And, uh, you know, so the writing was out of my hands and I could just focus on the art. And, you know, for for Joe and I, I know that one of the things that we were really interested in was capturing this feel of, uh, you know, comics that inspired us or continue to inspire us from you know, the 1970s and early 80s. And uh, that that was sort of like why we wanted to do this in the first place. It wasn't necessarily about let's, you know, tell a story of, uh, about Jesus and make it like a sword and sandals type of uh, uh, story. We, we were just uh, really focused on the feeling of it and, and uh, you know, capturing the things that excite us about comics from that, from that era. Um, so for me, like, like I was, I was treating the art very seriously and I really wanted it to feel like, um, the way artists approached comics from that era with, with like a tight deadline and just like really slamming down the ink. And it's funny because I, I didn't even really think of it as like a religious, uh, story in any way, even though you know the subject matter is based in Christianity. Um, it was really for us, I think, just about telling a good story, and um, that that was that was our primary focus. So, could maybe we should just uh, set the set the table for people that that maybe aren't as familiar with the source material, since we kind of jump right in. But when did you guys? Because you guys have been this this idea has been germinating for a long time, if I recall. So, when did you and and Joe first conceptualize this, and how long have you been working on it? You know, we've been working on it a long time. Um, it it's it's just had, it's had a long journey in our um, in our schedules over the last few years. I think. I can't remember when I was in San Diego Comic-Con, but it was many years ago, and Joe and I had just completed our collaboration with uh, um, Captain Victory for Dynamite, and I'd done just like a six-page uh, flashback sequence, which was really fun. We enjoyed the collaboration, and I said, you know, if you ever want to you know, do do a book together, let, let me know. I'd, I'd be really happy about it, and he was like, well, let me get back to you. I, I think I, I can, you know, come up with something. So it was it was a couple of months down the road. And then he was like, how about this? I got this idea about, you know, Jesus, you know, being sort of like a Kung Fu master. And I was like, <laughs> that's that's totally cool with me. And, you know, we, we both share a love of like Master of Kung Fu and, you know, Savage Sword of Conan. And it was San Diego Comic-Con where we kind of like, cemented the idea and, and we knew what we were going to do. Uh, and, and Joe really wanted to approach it in a way where uh, he was inspired by Mike Barron's process where, where Mike Barron actually draws out uh, the comic page layouts for the artist to use as a, as a, as a basis for the art. And uh, he started sending me pages just that he had drawn, you know, very quickly just with like stick figures, you know, and, and, blocking out where the word balloons are going to fall. Although he knew that he wanted to be pretty verbose with this comic, uh, sort of as a reference to Doug Mensch's uh, style of writing for Master of Kung Fu, which was uh, <laughs> expansive. Um, 
And then I was I was actually in the middle of working on night business at that time. And I was like, I've got to finish night business before I can touch this really. Sure. So I so then I spent the next like five or six months polishing off night business and then I my schedule was finally free and, and Joe had sent me a bunch of pages and then I started just penciling and inking it. Uh and then, you know, it's been done for about a year and we've been sort of waiting and biding our time and figuring out, figuring out when to release it. Hmm. So going in, there was no trepidation on your part, um, given the, the subject matter. No, 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 but I'm, I'm also like, (laughs) I, I don't, I don't, I I don't really know how how people are going to react to anything. So I just, just (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, Joe. Joe was like, you know, there there will be some controversy with it, but I just kind of felt like it's not, it's not dismissive. It's not like uh, uh, we're not we're not criticizing Christianity or Jesus in any way. It didn't seem to me like that scandalous. But obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not everybody, and I don't know what other people's sort of threshold is for that. Yeah, I think it's it's a matter of. Um, for the people that care, if there's any deviation from the story, right? Then it's 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 not right. It's not good. This is this is just pl- just plain wrong. Mm-hmm. And what you're what I can see. I mean, I've I've never read the Bible, but um, I was raised Catholic, and from my exposure to it, all of the things that I was told and heard about Jesus were all secondhand stories from other guys like Matthew, Mark, you know, Luke, all those people, they say this about Jesus and Jesus did right. this, you know, in, but in Jesus freak, Jesus is front and center. Right. Like we don't get the story from someone else's mouth. We are, we're able to read Jesus's thoughts and see this existential anguish he's going through, like straight from the horse's mouth. And I was like, why isn't this the way it's done? You know, right. if, if we could only sit down and, 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 you know, watch an episode of The Jesus and see what he had to go through, right? It, it would be far more, number one, entertaining. But, I mean, I, I think it's easier to wrap yourself up in a story when you see the protagonist doing what the protagonist did instead of hearing it second and third and, you know, fourth hand. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I, never, I didn't even consider that. But, yeah, that's, that, is, that is interesting. It's some stuff. I, just going through it, um, I noticed in the art style, um, your early stuff, and and you had this tendency to exaggerate um, body parts, whether too large or too small, and, and and that became the the Mara trademark nudge nudge. You know, he's he's you know messing with anatomy, but in this, in Jesus Freak, you keep it fairly straight. Like yeah. everything's in proportion and, and the layouts are unbelievable. Not that your other stuff isn't, but it looks like you took a conscious effort to present Jesus Freak in a certain style. Like you said, like like Master of Kung Fu, like a bronze yeah, I mean, age Yeah, it looked book. a lot like Galassi. I mean, it, it yeah. looked like you were channeling Galassi a little bit with your own style thrown in. Well, I'm so, I'm so glad that you um, said that it looks like Galassi because um, – I, I don't I don't feel like it looks enough like Gulacy, and that's one of the things when I look back on it, I'm like, man, I wish I kind of just had some 
shadows in there that that look to me it looks a little bit too like um it's it's a little too wispy and some it's it's a little too scratchy in some areas whereas gulacy's are to me especially like well it's always been it's just it's all about sort of like control and these very very locked in shadows and shapes of shadows um whereas for this i was i was sort of working with uh uh, a different i was using i was actually using klaus jansen's uh inking tools the hunt 103 and and a and a Raphael uh brush and working pretty fast like i, I feel like with with glacy stuff it, it looks really deliberate and sort of slow and controlled um but i wanted it to feel like glacy i just couldn't at the time bring myself to to work that slowly, I was just not in that space uh, creatively to ink in that method. Um, so yeah, but the, the layouts were all Joe's ideas because I am a strict six panel to nine panel mm-hmm. yeah. artist. Like that's what I feel like, you know, all comics really just need to, to have in order to tell the story. Um, but but Joe actually broke me out of that uh, that habit, and I think I was happy to kind of go into a into a new zone um, with page layouts, and it was fun. And we we have we have some like you know references to like Frank Miller and stuff, and Frank Miller's uh, uh, influence sort of hangs over everything as well. I kind of feel like um, for the book, but. Um, but yeah, it was it was really it was a really interesting process. Yeah, I kind of got away from like deliberately using sort of um, like exaggerated exaggerated proportions mm-hmm. in my comics for because I, I think I think earlier on I wanted my comics to really look like they were um, drawn by somebody who um, was sort of like a naive artist. And that that was one of the hallmarks of of that style was was to, was to try and like mess with uh, portion and and things like that. Sometimes it happens unconsciously. Sometimes I'm doing it on purpose. Um, but in in this, I don't know. I don't know why I've kind of fallen away from that um, from using that as a technique. Because it, it, it's because it's kind of fun, and I, and I really like seeing it in other artists. Like Ken Landgraf is like a huge. Uh, inspiration to me, and and I love the way that he sort of exaggerates anatomy and 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 car- cartoons things. And but yeah, for this one, I, I really just uh, I think maybe maybe being uh, in a collaboration sort of mode, I really wanted to kind of uh, respect the total vision and not necessarily apply my own uh, kind of idiosyncrasies if I if I could help it. Right. I'm glad you. Um... You mentioned Miller because definitely once we get towards the uh, maybe the last quarter of of the issue, I got a a, um, a sense of of the way Miller works things with especially with, with three hundred or even even Xerxes. There were just there, there was there was a little bit of a vibe I was getting. Um, also because it was it's 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 wordy in parts and and Frank can be like that at times, but for sure uh, um, I was I since you mentioned. Um, 
have being a collaborator this time around as far as the writing goes how what's the give and take like is are, are you just is 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 joe giving you a full script and, and there isn't a whole lot of room to stray or can you come back at him and say you know i think maybe if i approach jesus coming into the panel like this was, how, how receptive is he um he was very receptive i mean uh, like i said he, he he just sent me these um these like you know, loosely paper scans of his page layout ideas. And I think that there were times where I was like, like I need to follow the 180 uh, degree rule here. And, and I, just, I would just like sort of like flip things sometimes, you know, just, just to like add an extra uh, set of eyes for clarity. Um, but I think that was as far as I went. And Joe hadn't even written any words for it. Uh, to that point, That's I think he jotted, Marvel style. Yeah, exactly. He had jotted down a few things, you know, just to be like, you know, this character is going to say this here, you know, just so I knew kind of what the body language would need to be like, what the facial expressions would have to read like. Uh, and then he took my pencils and started crafting the script. And I started inking while he was writing. Uh, the words, and I, I think he did uh, several drafts. Like he really took his time to make sure that all the text was the way he wanted it, and um, you know, just felt the felt the way he wanted it. And so I didn't I didn't see any of the written stuff until uh, like I got I got the full you know colored comic back, which was pretty 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 uh exciting to see and I, I love working that way i think that um writers sh- should draw out their pages just to see how the words are flowing you know through the architecture of the layout um i, I just feel like that's that's like the best way to 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 see how a comic book works you know uh, I, I don't feel like you can get that from um just writing like panel one, caption one. This is what's going on. You know, I just I just don't feel like that really uh, translates into the, like a great synth- synthesis of collaboration. Like, uh, but I don't even know if like the Marvel method is the solution either. Uh, but I do think I like it for its sort of improvisational aspects and like you really. It, it's also very malleable and flexible. And there's there's um, equal parts responsibility on the shoulders of the writer and the artist to carry the story forward. Um, so I, yeah, I really liked working that way, but I, yeah, I didn't give, I didn't, I, I let Joe just have his way with the text. I didn't, I didn't, uh, give him any input, but I did augment and adjust the layouts so that they were, uh, more legible or the way I felt would be more legible. Mm-hmm. Is it a 48 page book? Yeah. Yeah. Although I think it's listed as like a 54 page book or something like that. Okay. But I think there might be some extra stuff in there. I haven't, I haven't actually seen the, the book in person. Mm. Well, you certainly get your money's worth um, because oh, for sure. it is. It's oversized it, too. Yeah. It, it takes a, a, a good amount of time to read. Um, but it never feels like a chore. Well, that's good. Yeah, and um, that. I got to we got to tip our hat to Brad Simpson too, because yeah, wow, um, the the color work in this is just amazing. I think it accentuates your art beautifully. 
Yeah, I actually think that um, I, I, I've worked with Brad in the past. Like, he colored my pages for Captain Victory. And I, I know Joe works with him quite a bit, obviously, for good reason. Um, I uh, tried to leave some space. Like, Joe, Joe gave me kind of a, a directive to, like, leave. Make sure just to, like, leave enough room in the panels so that he could kind of stretch out if he needed to with the words. And I also wanted to let uh, Brad have enough breathing room, too, to kind of do his thing and, like, uh, you know, uh, mess around with it. Because I, I love I love his, his colors and his sensibilities. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just I wanted him to, like, just go crazy and, and do whatever he wanted, sort of. And I, I, I really wanted him to... To, to add m more to my line work. And yeah, I think he did an amazing job. Yeah. It looks just phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, I mean, one of the things that, that I, as I understand it again, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm not, as we talked about religious, but I was raised Catholic as well. But, like one of the interesting things is I think this takes place in kind of a dead zone, uh, in terms of like, for those that view the Bible as, you know, like a historical text, uh, you know, because obviously the the story of the birth of Jesus is well documented biblically, and then you know once he becomes once he takes his journey as the you know as the prophet and the savior, like that's well documented. But like his you know his his time as quote unquote just a man on that journey is is not really well documented. And um, you know, I noticed that when Joe was talking about this when you guys announced the book, he said that like that was a fasc fascinating thing to him because there was this juxtaposition of you know that there that most people believe that historically speaking, there was a carpenter uh, named Jesus that had a role in uh, the birth of, of Christianity. And that, you know, that was really not in, in question. And then obviously there's this almost, well, not more than almost, there's this, this metaphysical supernatural omnipotent being that, that is held in high regard by those that are devoutly Christian. Uh, and he wanted to find a way to sort of have you guys tell the story of, of, of merging the two. And I, you know, I guess the thing that like on one hand, the, the, the idea of making him get spiritual and then channel his, his instincts into being a badass martial artist, like that's totally evocative of, like you said, the, you know, seventies comics and all that. But I guess the thing that I'm, I'm fascinated about is the, the, the lizard, the, the lizard yeah. man, God, right? Like, cause, cause that's, because I like in, when you first meet the lizard when he's talking to Jesus as a lizard right on the streets. I I thought, oh man, like did that happen in the Bible? Because again, I'm not I, I I'm not well versed in the scriptures. And I thought that's interesting. Like, is that did 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 the lizard like was that a someone that spoke to Jesus for some reason? Like, is that from the Bible? But then you know, then you guys go into the temple and you fight a giant you know he man looking lizard creature. And I thought, okay, well this is <laughs> so like what was the like why why that um why that imagery, like what what why choose that imagery of 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 all the you know ways to 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 display that journey he's taking? Yeah, I you know uh, Joe Joe's probably better equipped to to answer this question because it came directly from his mind. Mm -hmm. um, but like for me, when I when he told me that there was like going to be a talking lizard in the book, I was like I loved it. Um, just from a story element standpoint, because um, I'm I'm always I, I mean I love I don't love but I, I I'm I'm down with like magical realism and that's not necessarily 
like uh and even reading magical realism it kind of like uh feels a little bit like reading a religious text in some ways because uh when when you read like stories from the bible there's all these things that it's almost like anything's possible like there's all these sort of things that can happen um outside of the realm of what we understand to be reality uh so I, I liked I liked that aspect of it because it was um, it just it just made it feel more of like uh, uh, some something that that, that that could have happened in in a, a story a story about Jesus. Um, but to me also like I just I just think it's just it's just like it, I, I look at the comic almost like as if it's like a kung fu movie from the seventies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and this sort of character I can see from like a Kung Fu movie. Um, so it just, it just felt consistent, like across the board. Uh, so I love that choice. And I think he just wanted sort of like a stand in for the uh, serpent, you know, um, from the old Testament of, of the representation of Satan um, in some sort of like lizard, snake form but but maybe it's sort of like evolved to this kind of scary level right well i saw it as it's kind of benevolent at first yeah or or at least not a you know it's not trying to to stand in his way but once jesus realizes that there's more to him than he had previously thought that's when the serpent steps up and tries and tries to take him out or at least instill him with a very strong sense of self-doubt, which would have been right. good enough, you know, in lieu of... Which would have been defeat. Right, right. But I had a couple of chuckles as as I'm reading <laughs> it, because are you familiar with the work of David Icke? The, uh, yes, I am. Very right, familiar. so I'm thinking, all right, you got John the Baptist, who in a sense is like David Icke, you know? David Icke uses the media, and he baptizes all these willing followers into believing that we're ruled by a group of shape-changing reptilian aliens, right? Right. And then the the, the, the reptoid keeps showing up, and I'm thinking the conspiracy theorists are going to love this book (laughs) because they're going to point to that and say, look, I told you so. It's it's there, you know? (laughs) Reptoids, we're being ruled. But, I mean, it just works. Um, if, If you just want to read a great story about one man's personal journey from where do I belong? Um, you know, this, this anguish over, I think something we all have, like, what's my value? What am I worth? Where do I belong? And right. then into a sense of, I know what I have to do. And he's told along the way that, you know what, buddy, it's not going to end well for you, but you got to do it anyway. You got to stay the course because in the end, it doesn't matter who you were. It, it 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 matters what you what you've accomplished and in change you'll change the world forever through your 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 teachings and what you've done so you have to stay the course regardless of the end so i mean that's a pretty powerful tale yeah wrapped around yeah. a kick-ass kung fu you know <laughs> sensibility i just it's 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 great i i did not once um falter in my reading usually if if i'm not in tune with something, I'll just put it down and come back to it. But I, I, I devoured the whole thing in, in one gulp because it's, it's like candy. Yeah. It makes me really happy to hear. Cause I, I feel like, 
like when I it happens more often than not when I read comics these days where I just like can't get past like the sixth page or something like that where I just don't nothing's like I'm not connecting with it I'm not like you know uh, having like nothing's like grabbing me you know so so I'm glad to hear that that didn't happen for you that you actually read you know it all the way through and felt like it was an easy read yeah an easy enjoyable read but i have Good. one one question yeah. about the yeah. title as far as the title goes did yeah. did um were you let in uh did joe let you in on why he calls the book jesus freak no okay um, and I, I don't think it, it was done to stir controversy, right? Because no, I, yeah, I don't think it was either. I, I, it was it, it's it, it's the title that Joe approached me with when he had the idea uh, and he presented it to me, and uh, it's it's always been the title. And I and I kind of had questions about it too because I was like, it like Jesus freak to me is like what. <laughs> uh, like you would call somebody in high school or something like that, that had like found <laughs> right. Christ. Super religious. Right. Like yeah. A, yeah. That was super religious at a very early age. Uh, you'd just be like a Jesus freak or whatever. And, um, so it, it didn't, it didn't feel like it fit necessarily. And I was like, I lobbied for, uh, it to be more of like a Kung Fu title to, to reference that sort of aspect of it. Um, you know, like, like flying fists of fear, like faithful right. fists of fear, you know, so, something along those lines. Um, and, and that, that ends up popping up in some of the chapter titles, but, uh, but Joe was adamant. He was like, no, this is the, this is the title. We're going with this. Uh, so he, I, I was like, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it was totally his, uh, story that I was, that I felt like I was helping to tell. So, um, you know, I totally didn't, uh, fight too hard to to change it at all, but yeah, I I I didn't I didn't I don't know what his um, uh, thought process uh, was for it, but um, I'm sure he has like very oh, yeah. specific reasons for for why it's named um, the way it is. I have a guess. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, Jesus is an aberration. Yeah. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's he's an abnormality, and abnormalities are you know people with abnormalities called freaks. He he doesn't right. he doesn't fit in with the right. among the people of his time. He he's far to, even among the Jews, he's just not right. You know. Um, yeah. And and that's I think right. I think that maybe that's what Joe was getting at because I, I and I agree with you. I don't think it was done just to to you know press that that hot button and. Um, I, I think that there's a Joe was right in, in calling it Jesus freak because yeah. And any kind of publicity you can get, whether good or bad is still publicity. But I, again, I don't think it was done from a, a caustic um, finger pointing um, perspective. I think it was no, done very respectfully. Yeah. I, don't, I, agree. I, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. I don't feel like the way it's applied doesn't, it doesn't really feel like, um, like a, uh, it's 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 sort of like redefining that term in a new way and 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 sort of applying it to 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 Jesus himself you know in in a way that's that's very different and you know I, I think also like from a um, just from a logistical standpoint it's really helpful to like name new content 
one word. Like, I know that that's sort of like been a uh, trend lately is like they really want like uh, one word titles. It's just easier for everybody to like kind of retain that memory. Huh. Yeah. Right. So that could have played a hand. I don't know. Yeah. Well, when we, we get to Joe, we'll we'll have to ask him. But yeah, uh, you, it, you know, again, if you're talking about it, people listening that haven't read the book yet, and I guess that's pretty much everybody because we got an advanced yeah. copy for the show. Uh, they might be thinking like, what I'm about to say is ridiculous because it is a book by you guys by Image Comics where you're taking Jesus and making him an action star. But I gotta say, when I read the book, the first word that came to mind when I knew we were going to chat with you is like restraint. I mean, meaning that yeah. um, we've already touched on that it isn't it isn't uh, you know you you guys didn't intentionally or go out of your way to satirize religion or make fun of it. But the other thing is like there are moments who someone who was raised with a Christian background, even though I'm not a practicing Christian, like I thought, oh, I'm about to see something here. And like every time, probably to your credit, you you guys pulled back. Like for example, you introduced Mary Magdalene. Well, we know at least again if you're if you buy into what you've read in the Bible. Mary Magdalene was a whore, you know, but right. you, you guys don't like play that up. Like you could right. have, like in this book, it wouldn't have shocked me if, you know, her and Jesus had sex. Right. Cause like many people think that probably did happen, yeah. but right. like, I was like, Oh, here comes Mary Magdalene. They're going to get busy. Oh, they didn't, you know? Right. Or like the Romans, like were prone to some depravities of their own. Like you didn't go there. Um, like while there is a big scene of, of, of crucifixions, you guys avoided putting the main characters, including Jesus, on the on the cross, which which is I'm sh- I'm I'm assuming everyone would have assumed would be in the book, right? Right. Um, and then, like, even with the way the book ends, you know, to me, it it ends on a, a cliffhanger of sorts, in the sense that again, if you have any experience with Christianity, like you know, a lot of what is what the faith is based on is is happening after the book ends. Like he's just starting his journey, right? Like he's just decided, all right, I'm going to do this. So like I want to see a sec I want to see a sequel. I want to see him whooping that ass. Like I want to see this version of Jesus, you know, on that on that journey. But you know, you guys just kind of end it. Like he he has his spiritual journey, his awakening, he comes to terms with what he is, and that's that. And like now we're and now we're you hand it kind of back off to the to the to the mythos of Christianity. And I was like, so there were lots of parts of the book where I thought, all right, it's gonna get freaky here, it's gonna get it's gonna get nasty, it's gonna get wild. And and like almost every time you guys kind of pulled it back and said, no. No man, that's not what this this like we we were really good at right. that telling those kind of stories, but that's what the, that's not what this story is. So, right? Yeah, I, I, I think again, again, that's that's all credit to Joe uh, for sort of setting. He really set the table for us in in, in the tone and the vibe of the uh, of the story. And yeah, I, I liked that that choice to kind of leave it uh, as a cliffhanger because the story that everybody knows about Jesus is, um, you know, they, they already know what, what, what sort of the aftermath is, of, right. uh, of, of his journey, you know, uh, where, like once he arrives sort of, sort of what happens, you know, to him, uh, that's all very well documented. So I thought that was a pretty, that was a, that was a good, uh, decision on Joe's part, I think to, to kind of, yeah, keep, keep all, all, all of the, um, all of the known sort of sort of stories of Jesus when he actually is, you know, teaching people about his philosophy, uh, leave that sort of uh, to be to be open, you know, for everybody else to kind of like fill fill that 
that that side of the story with after the end of the comic. Yeah, just to get back to what Jason said about there being a second volume and uh, seeing Jesus kick more ass, he won't kick more ass at the end of this. If if you you there's this one part where he speaks. Right, he says it's not about using it. Yes, I, yeah, yes, no, he yes, speaks yes, the yes. same language as the Roman soldiers. They speak in the language of violence. He gives it right back to them. Right, right. heads off, and so it almost at the end of the book it almost disavows. The, yes, the, no, it does. You're right. Yeah, the kung fu fighting style as before, and I thought that was brilliant. Again, it's it's like you had this little window of opportunity where you right. can show an adolescent, well, an an un, uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, he's not aware of of the right path, so he's he's conflicted, and and someone throws violence at him, he throws violence back. The 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 serpent tries to kill him, he tries to kill him back, and. He grows over the course of the story to where he realizes that's really not the way to be. And so you had this very small window of opportunity where you can show Jesus kicking ass, and they did. And, and I think, like, boom, this is it. No more. This is, this is a nice little beautiful nugget of, a, of a, an incident that we're never going to see again. And, and it's documented, and it's amazing. And let's just let's leave it at that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's well put. This is one of those times where I, I just I enjoyed the work and and we, we we've spoken a bit before and we're all fans of of everything he's done but this you know I'm not I haven't read the Bible I'm not about to offend or put my foot in my mouth and <laughs> and so I just want to let it you know I I just this is and you know the, the whole. I don't want to spiral something. It's just one of those things where I just wish people would not be so quick to judge something, especially when that something doesn't exist yet. Yes, obviously this does because we've read the preview, but but it's not in the hands for anybody to actually sit and and judge it as it is. And 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 then I did the same thing with Second Coming that 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 Vertigo was supposed to put out by by Russell and Pace and everybody got got bent out of shape over that. And it's like you you don't know where it's going and and I and but but this is extremely respectful. It's it's consistent um from start to finish as as Jason pointed out, you know, there were times where where uh, lesser creators would probably take a more um in your face or, or aggressive approach or, or try to be edgy and, and Ben, you and Joe were not. And, and I, I definitely appreciate that. I, I know we do have some listeners who are, are believers and, and, and they, they do uh, consider themselves that, and, and, and they may not think this book is necessary, but I know at least one or two are going to read it and judge it on its merits. Uh, no one that I know is just going to outright disavow or pretend it doesn't exist. So no, I, I don't, I don't have much in the way of, uh, of questions as far as the, the subject matter. I, I think that, uh, and, and when it came to the art, you know, Lacey was mentioned. I, I saw, I, I was reminded of, of Barry Windsor Smith a little bit, a little bit of quote oh, nice. here and there, but I mean, I just thought that, um, it was it overall it, it's a fantastic package i i cannot wait to actually get it in my hands when uh when when my order arrives but it's uh it, it looks fantastic and if anybody is on the fence or wasn't sure where um where the authors were going with it um 
is definitely something I think everybody should give a shot. You know, I, uh, David, you said something about, uh, which we hear a lot in our, our circle of influence, which is when people have an issue with a comic or a arc or a storyline, they say something to affect like, well, th- we didn't need this, or this didn't, there was no reason for this to exist. <laughs> and, you know, that's always been like the most nonsensical. And I know we all agree it's been the most nonsensical criticism in comics history because the na- it, the nature of something artistic is it exists because the artist wanted to make it right. Like what, yes. if, what, what happens to it from there, whether anyone notices, whether anyone cares, whether anyone loves it, hates it, that's irrelevant. Like it exists because someone felt compelled to make it exist. Right. Like, and, and, and the great thing about comics probably to its detriment, if there are what four or 500 comics that come out every month. So, so <laughs> it, it doesn't have to exist for anyone that doesn't want it to exist. Right. Like, like 95% of, of, of Christian comic book readers that are worried they may be offended by this and don't want to try it. Don't have to even ever acknowledge its existence. You know what I mean? Like, and I know you're not saying otherwise, but I always just crack up when I see those kinds of criticisms because it's the silliest thing ever. Like, like no, like this and isn't a, is, yeah, this isn't being put into the 11th grade honors English curriculum in every high school in America, <laughs> where then you have to read it and your parents, you know what I mean? Like, like this is, if you happen to be fans of either of these gentlemen's work or the subject matter, or you just buy most of what image is doing, then it exists. Otherwise it's just there, man. Like, yeah. and once it's on, on the racks, once it's on the shelf in the comic shops, your Bible's still going to be in your nightstand. It's not going to erase anything. Nothing's going to go away. You still believe what, what you wish to believe this. This doesn't it for some, it may add for, for others. It just, you know, they may furrow their brow, but, but you, your, your life is still going to continue. So Didn't we make the same point I, to you it, about Watchmen when before Watchmen came out. And that's, and that's exactly <laughs> where I was going with it was that, you know, just because if listen, Watchmen still exists for me, I haven't read before Watchmen. That's fine. And, and I don't, I'm not upset at anybody who has. I and I was just like I shrugged. But I mean, for me to stand here and and stomp my feet and pout and say this shouldn't exist, I mean that's stupid. I mean, other people got a kick out of it and 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 they enjoyed it. And and so you know, I'm not going to tell anybody they're wrong for liking that or wanting that. But yeah, no, it's it's you you read what you want to read. It, it's really that simple. Yeah. Now, Ben, we talked about the art. Um, this is not digitally done, is it? No, you, it's, you all, mentioned... it's all it's all traditional. Uh, it's all uh, yeah, it's all done on uh, Bristol board with with ink and and a pen, and it's it's like the most traditional comic uh, inking uh, tools that I think I've ever used to complete an entire issue of a comic. And do you sell your pages? <laughs> I do. I do. I, Waiting for that. I, do. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't put any of these pages up for sale. But yeah, I, I often sell uh, original artwork through the uh, the Guiling website, sure. which is yeah. the uh, yeah the comic book shop yeah. here in Toronto. Um, they have a pretty robust catalog of original art that they pedal, and uh, my stuff is in there in the mix. Hmm. I don't have. But I don't know. If you, yeah, I, 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 I assume I, I haven't thought about it uh, about selling these pages yet, but probably in the future they will be available. All right, and I think one of the things um, that's working in your favor is you have a publisher that stands by their creators, unlike um, as David said, DC with the Second Coming, uh, Vertigo, how they just dropped it, right? Yeah, that was such a strange um, 
coincidence, you know, that I, I didn't, it's funny. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily pay that much attention to what new comics are coming out these days, mm-hmm. but, um, I didn't know about that comic until they told everybody it wasn't coming out. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to put, like, I don't want to editorialize where we shouldn't in the sense that all I know for sure is that Mark Russell, the, the writer and creator of the comic, when it was pulled, said he requested DC to pull it and give him his rights back. So, yeah, really? I don't, like, I don't know if it's fair to say. Similar DC to what was done with the boys. Yeah. Like, my guess is they probably got pushed back and wanted him to change something about it that he was uncomfortable doing. Oh, OK. So right, he right. said, all right, you know what? Um, there, there was an online petition to kill it. And, yeah. and that was. Of course, there was. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm just saying, like, I don't want to portray it like DC, like, got like cowardly. Right. They, right. Like, Mark, Mark made it clear he asked them if he could have the rights back, and they graciously gave him the rights back. Ah, so, so I thought yeah. it was it was uh, like a swamp thing type thing at, at DC. No, I don't think so. I, I suspect again that they probably said, "Listen, man, we're getting a lot of heat here. Can we maybe, you know, do something? Whatever it was." Right? And he said, I, "I'd rather, you know, like it, it is what it is. Like, if just give me the, if you give me the rights oh, back, I'll okay, good on him, good on him." So. Yeah. And he did say he fully intends to publish it elsewhere. So I, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. whether it's Image or, or Kickstarter or fan Graphics or whatever, might again, yeah, yeah. Because if you buckle to to these people, then they win. And I think and, it's a, a DC. I'm pretty sure he's a DC exclusive, which is why it kind of ended up there in the first place. And then, uh, you know, as, you, as you know, I mean, from for, oftentimes they will be totally cool with uh, their exclusives doing stuff at uh, anywhere but the other. You know, but other than the other yeah. Too, so yeah, Marvel's not going to publish that. No, but I was <laughs> like, listen, I know I'm exclusive, and but if this is going to give you guys heat, maybe I can publish it elsewhere if you're cool with that. And I'm sure they said, all right, yeah, I'll we'll do that. They have, I mean, DC did the did a similar thing with the boys, I think, at one point too. Yep. yep. Um, I don't know what it was that sort of like put that thing over the edge, though, because they've been riding along the edge for a long time with that book. But um, but yeah, I mean. I, big corporations, the stakes are much higher for them, Definitely. obviously. Yeah. Whereas, like a place like uh, like Image or even a Fantagraphics, you know, they sort of thrive on doing things that are unconventional and maybe test the boundaries of, you know, certain uh, ideas and concepts. Definitely nice. So, um, are you have any uh, work in the All Time Comics season two? coming up from uh, floating world i have it's funny i don't have much but i do it was i have a few pages and they're like origin story pages and i got to pencil them and ken langraf inked them wow so it was a thrill to work on um and i love what ken did with it He's like, I mean, he could do no wrong in my book. So uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, but that's that's all I had to contribute to this season. Um, but I know that they are now, yeah, with Floating World. And I know uh, uh, Jason Levian very well. And, um, you know, we talked just in the very, uh, very small sort of introductory uh conversations small amounts um about about doing something for the for the season following this season um and i i would love to do some more superhero stuff at this point i haven't done that in a really long time and i probably won't have an opportunity to work on superhero stories for 
very other like many other opportunities. So it, it would be it would be great if I could get to do a few more stories um, in that world. Uh, I really love those characters, and it's just really fun working with them. And you know, Josh Josh is such a great uh, you know creative force, and his brother's really cool, and Jason's amazing. So like. It's got, there's a lot of people involved that I really uh, enjoy and, and respect. So Josh is already thinking about season three? I think so. Wow. That's what I hear. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could, be, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but like, I, I, I do think that they have more in store. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. He's, he's a, a Tasmanian devil. He just doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what's on the drawing board right now? Uh, right now I'm actually not working on too many comics right now because, uh, I'm, I'm working on a bunch of, uh, other projects like illustration projects and a lot of stuff that I actually can't talk about right now. Mm, Come on, man. (laughs) It really sucks because I'd really love to talk about it. Um, but, uh, it's really cool. I've been getting really into back into like painting so I'm doing like a lot of painting these days and uh, just doing like a lot of illustrations. However, I do have two graphic novels that are in the wings. And uh, when I am able to, when the schedule opens up a bit, I'll get to them. And one of them is called Disciples. Right. That's the working title. I think it's probably going to change. But it's a, it's a collaboration I'm doing with uh, two screenplay writers. Mm-hmm. Um one uh, one is David Burke, uh, and the other guy is Nicholas McCarthy, and they are they they co-wrote this screenplay. And you might know David Burke if you uh, have seen Paul Verhoeven's most recent film L. Um, he also worked with Paul Verhoeven on a new movie that was just shot in Holland, I believe. Uh, it might have been another French film. Um, which is which is also written by Burke, and it's a it's a really cool horror story that's sort of like a vampire story. Um, and I'm about I'm over a hundred pages deep into that graphic novel, and I'll hopefully finish it this year. There's about sixty more pages I have left to do, which I could probably do in two months if I really push it. Wow! And then I also have um, another graphic novel that I'm working on for myself. That is called Our Lord, My Master, which is um, which actually is um, sort of like a Jack Chick, <laughs> Philip K. Dick comic, uh, where, where it's like a it's like the future it's like a future society where it's um, like the nightmare scenario of the religious right has come true, <laughs> and like. It's so it's really funny that this is like, it's like another uh, comic where I'm kind of dealing with Christianity, um, but it's like set in the future and it's like this cyberpunk kind of um, like uh, world where the government is like a totalitarian regime. And Christianity has been outlawed, and there's this one girl who is a secret Christian who's sort of fighting to. Um, to defeat like like the evil kind of like government overlords, that's, it's a little bit more complicated than so that. Old. But it's it's I, that's that's, so that's that's my that sounds that's great. Yeah. It does. So that that one's a little bit more experimental. Like I've been 
I've been inking it in like a really loose sort of style because I just I just need for it to get done, and there's no other way I'm going to get it done in in time to do other things. Well, it sounds like you're a workhorse, like you're constantly doing it. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's 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 tough with comics because there's there's no there's no monetary uh, reward that's that's direct like doing an image book is great but like i'm not getting paid until it, it hits stands right know? right um whereas like if i was doing something for another publisher i might get a page rate uh but then if i have an illustration job you know that doing that like the same amount of work that i'd be doing on one comic book page i'm getting paid like you know five to ten times you know that amount um and so it's hard it's kind of hard to square working on comics at this point but um but i do love it and i want to get back to it as soon as possible and hopefully that'll happen in the near future that is the uh bitter conundrum of being a comic book creator right yeah i mean um uh, especially someone in my position who's you know not necessarily working um for for like the big two and, and like, and like, you know, making a career out of comic books. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, that's like an outlier kind of working on the fringes, you know, kind of in the independent zone. I think that's a very good place for you to be because, uh, proofs in the work. It's, it seems to ignite that, that creative spark within you. And your work is unlike anybody's out there. I mean, Thanks. I, rem I remember back in the day, when and I tell this story all the time, and you probably already heard it. When um, Gangster Rap Posse came out, and I loved it, and I brought it to the show, and um, I put it in front of the other guys, and I and, and I, I said, I'm I'm in on the joke here. This this guy, I've seen his work in uh, what was it called, the Young Guns uh, Moleskin project thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I said I said this is intentional. He's 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 doing this for a reason, and. Um, one of our co-hosts who's no longer with us was like, nah, this guy can't draw at all. <laughs> and I was like, you're missing the... And now you know why he's no longer with us. Yeah, you're missing the whole point. The point is, and, and the faux naivete and just that that, that homegrown grassroots type um, creation for creation's sake, whether you've been trained in it or not, you know, just the desire to create was was what was behind it. And, and I, I mean, we grew into your books and we just we love every one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, and listen, I mean, I, I, re, I mean, I think we talked about this last time Ben was on the show when Gangster Rap Posse came out. Like, I remember that debate because it was, it was, it was vivid. Um, and I, I, I thought that Ben was drawing intentionally that way, but like, but I wasn't a thousand percent sure. You know, like I was like, because I didn't know him then. You know, I was like, okay. Like he, it, I think it's intentional. But then last time he was on, we talked a lot about that, and you know, you even alluded to it a bit here on the, tonight that you know that that very much was intentional. And so, like, I think once you kind of come to that realization, it, it's it can be experienced in a whole different way. But you know, but when you're first when it's first thrust upon you, if you don't have the context of knowing the creator, right. you know, it, it can leave you wondering. Yeah, I think I think for for a really long time, um, and still to this day, I'm, I've always been interested in like like quote unquote bad art, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Across, across the board, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's like movies, comics, writing, whatever. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, like Philip Gustin is like one of my favorite painters and, you know, his, his whole painting style was that he arrived at late in life was, was really just about, you know, what is, what is good? What is, what is, what is beautiful, you know? So, uh, I, that, that resonates with me and, and, and I love guys like Gary Panther, you know, and people who are just like so confident with how they draw. I'm not that way. I, but I'm, I'm, I'm an experimenter. I like to try out like different approaches and styles. And, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty, it's pretty evident if you look at, you know, American blood, I'm like all over the place. Sure. Yep. Heta well, we're better. The industry is better for it. Yeah. Yeah, true. I think I think that's that's one of the reasons why like the independent sphere is where I kind of belong because I don't think that I could ever uh, do stuff for major publications that that are, are that I don't think they'd be receptive to it. I, although I do think IDW probably would be, yeah, um, to a degree because they yeah. they tend to do they tend to do uh, pretty interesting stuff. I mean, Tom Scioli is like you know, evidence number one, you know? Right. So, and every now and then they'll surprise you. Cause look at, look at what Pisker has been doing with X-Men grand design the last. Oh, that's true. I mean, but, but Pisker had some serious sales numbers. Behind yeah, him. no doubt. No, no sure, doubt. Sure, sure, sure. No yes. doubt. They were, they were, they weren't making, they weren't taking an economic risk on him. They were, no, no, that was it. That was something that they could back up that right. choice. They could back up for sure. Whereas me, I don't know if they, they could really like, you know, they can really argue, argue for for my stuff. I don't know. I'd like to see you take a, a crack at Doctor Strange. That would be fun. I think he'd kill it. I would definitely do that. And I, you know, it, just before he died, I, I kind of rediscovered Ditko's work and had a mm-hmm. really deep dive into his into his uh, body of work. And um, man, I would love. I would just. I would just try to do. I'd just try to draw it like Ditko. If I ever got my hands on that character. <laughs> uh, so did we leave any stone unturned here? Any, anything else you want to um, bring up or, or get into or um, no? Nope? Um, no, not really. I think, I think I'm, I'm not, nothing comes to mind. I just, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to everybody being able to read the book. Um, and yeah, it hits the stands um, March 20th. So March 20th, two, yeah, two Wednesdays so. from now. Yeah, not too, not too far away. And uh, so everybody at uh, everybody going to see two v two can come up to us and tell us how much they love it. That's right. That's right. And uh, it's uh, seventeen ninety nine cover price. So, I'm sure, most of you good uh, good EOC listeners to get your your books from DCB service. So it'll probably run you about ten dollar, ten fifty, something like that. Yep. And all you kids, while your parents are sleeping, go into their their uh, wallets and <laughs> stuff because you, you know all these kids are going to read it. But uh, any convention appearances uh, in the future for you? No, I think maybe I'll I'll have an appearance at TCAF this year, but even that I'm not decided on. So um, yeah, I'm I'm I've kind of like semi-retired from conventions oh, these so. days. Come on, man! <laughs> now I'm, I'm I'm like heading into like just recluse territory where I just make stuff and put it out into the world, but never do appearances. You really are buying into that Ditko life. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in some ways, for sure, he's uh, uh In many ways, he's a hero. In some yeah. ways, maybe not so much. But we uh, we have a really good friend, uh, Zach Crusay, who uh, 
just worships at the altar of Ditko and was doing, I don't know if it, it wasn't his thesis, right? It was, it was just a, it was a project, right? For his, for his degree, but he was working on his a project for, uh, cause he's always loved Ditko and he had communicated, you know, Ditko was famous for, he'd, he'd write people back, right? He was very much a writer. So yeah. you, you could write him and he, he had had some communication, but, um, Zach's from the Midwest. He's getting his, what is it? His doctorate tap? Is that, he's getting his doctorate right now, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, at university of Michigan. But part of the process was he arranged for, um, to come to New York and to meet, to meet Ditko, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so he, he came out and he, and he did that. He went to his apartment and met him. And, uh, for him, it was a transcendent religious experience. And, uh, you know, it gets back to, we've said this many times on the show before, but the, the, the it was a cool, it was cool for the sake of it. I mean, for him, it was a massively cool experience, but it was made all the more cool in the, in the fact, like in the grand cosmic tapestry of, of things in that Ditko passed away shortly thereafter. So wow. if, he, if he hadn't taken that impetus to do this, he never he never would have had the opportunity. And right. uh, you know, it is a reminder to uh, to always you know to always make sure you have a chance if you have a chance to shake hands or say hello or thanks to one of your heroes or someone that means something to you, you should take it because you never know. So, yeah, no doubt. Which is why you have to keep coming to cons, man. <laughs> maybe 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 someday in the future. All right, deal. Sweet. All right, Ben, um, we got to thank you. This was a, a, a great little talk. And as usual, if you want to come back, man, that door's always open. Great. Yeah, I really appreciate that offer. Um, I will definitely take you up on it. Right on. Well, everybody run out and buy this book if you haven't already pre-ordered it. Let's, make, uh, let's put some money in Ben's pocket. <laughs> For sure. How about awesome. that? Oh, man. <laughs> I want great talking to Ben. I want to sit on his lap. And just whisper, <laughs> whisper sweet nothings into that his ear. Surprise me. I love him. I think that would make him really uncomfortable. But come on, the dude who took publicity photos in a bathrobe—it's not going to make him uncomfortable. That is true. That is true. Nah, nah, he'll get it. I gotta say though, we got to get him. As our listeners just heard, he's he's he, he doesn't have a lot of comics work coming due here soon. We need him to get back on the saddle. Yeah, but it's akin to the guys that just do cover work. If you can get paid for one image, what you get paid for twenty-two large images, like it, it just it it just makes economic sense to do. Oh, I'm not saying he's being irrational. No, no, of course not. I'm being I wouldn't totally think selfish. He would. Saying we need to get him back on the right. saddle. Yeah. Hey Ben, take a pay cut to bring us more comics. Seriously. <laughs> That, and I say the same to Gabriel Hardman. I say the same, right? I mean, to, yeah, I know. to, uh, to Kagan McLeod. I mean, say, you know, come on, dogs. It's what it is, right? We need the comics. We do need the comics, so let's talk about them. Speak on it. What would you like to hear about? There's something that you asked us to read, which I really am looking forward to talking about. But uh, you read something this week, finally. Yes. I, I mean, I'm going to put aside the <laughs> gag reflex of the fact that you just read this, but... Um, <laughs> But I'd like you to speak on it, which is you finally read Tom and Mitch's Mr. Miracle. Yes, finally. And uh, I had to resist from punching myself in the face, or in the nuts in this case, because had I read it before um, I compiled my my winners for the 11 o'clock uh, O'Closkers for last year, I, I'm I'm certain my results would have been different. Yeah, yeah, I'm certain. Which prompted me to say, "Hey, yo, you got to be a little more timely with these things." 
Um, like I like to wait until all is said and done um, to mm-hmm. read things, especially a book that is as nuanced as Mr. Miracle, knowing full well after reading the first issue that what we were getting into, right? So I, um, I, I didn't have it done in time for the 11 o'clockers and, and fooey on me for not doing so because, yeah, it, it, it would have changed a lot of my results immeasurably. But that said, I almost don't want to talk about it. You don't have to talk about it. I just, just high level thought. I mean, no, because yeah. I think it's a book that if we go on about it for another hour, it's, it's not going to do the book justice because I think we need to make, um, Mr. Miracle, a book of the month, like real soon, because there's, there's so many layers to this thing. And, and one of the things I see, I mean, after I finished it, I, I went and looked to, to see what the critical response to it was, not um, so much good or bad, but, but the, the, the deep thoughts involving Mr. Miracle. And there's a lot of people questioning whether or not the events of everything after the first issue are real. And to that question, I say, what does it matter? Right. It doesn't matter if he's if he did if he was successful in committing suicide and he did not escape death in the in the first issue and everything that follows is a transitional dream from him entering uh, generated by him entering the afterlife who cares it doesn't matter um is is granny goodness really dead it doesn't matter what matters is the ramifications of said incident within the confines of the 12 issues, right? And um, I don't know whether their children are going to be written into DC continuity, but the, the one thing that sticks in my mind is the double-page splash of with all the DC heroes. Throughout the whole story, Scott wears T-shirts with superhero logos on them. As as if he exists in a universe removed from the flesh and blood heroes whose logos he wears, he he wears those logos as if he's a fan of, and and the the baby loves Batman, but Batman exists in this entire story as a plush, stuffed toy, right? It doesn't Batman. There's never mention of of it. Yes, Booster and and um, Beetle are in it. Right. But the the thing that really sticks in my mind is when he's shown this assemblage of heroes and Barda's in it and Barda doesn't look like the Barda in the story. That made me wonder, like, what is going on here? What's what are all these glitchy things uh, within the, the narrative? Like you'll get a panel that warps and it just lends one to believe that the reality of the narrative is not real. But again, it doesn't really matter because the story I think is a treatise or, or an examination of, of depression and, and what happens in relationships involving a depressed person or one that, you know, one that's clinically depressed. And it, the, the point is made through the thing that it doesn't just affect the depressed. It affects the people around the depressed too. And, and, and the things that he's, he's struggling with the war and, and, um, his identity and, and the endless need to one-up the escape 
tricks and it doesn't all matter because he he has the the life equation and he he doesn't even realize it he has that the the life equation being the the wife who loves him and the children and that that family unit and all the other stuff just doesn't really matter in terms of the big picture if you know if if it did and if it was true there's no way that dark side can't kill scot free there's absolutely no way you you mean to tell me that superman went toe to toe with dark side scot free doesn't have that kind of mojo to go toe to toe with dark side and i know it was played out differently in the book but i just i i i i'm i'm still i'm i'm wondering after reading it, I just sat there and I pulled back and I was like, what the hell did I just read? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't unravel like a traditional superhero book. It's, it's a, it's an examination of, of the psyche of one of these characters we've loved for years, but it, it, it doesn't follow the rules. And, and I love it for that, but I, I mean, I read it twice and I still haven't, I, st- I still need to get my fingers dirty with it more. Because there's so many things that it, within the book that I think need to be examined with the three of us, like talking on it, you know, and we're all when we're all prepared, prepared to prepared to prepared to talk on it. Because I mean, I don't know when the last time when you finished the if you were reading it in sequential and in, in, yes, you know, so you may not. It's always good to go in with a fresh perspective on it, is what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. to, but I, I think it's very much worth our time to get really dirty with Mister Miracle because there's a lot of things in the book that that um, need to be. Uh, we need to meet minds on it. You're all grown up. You're like just trying to make me happy tonight. And the 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 repetitive panels didn't bother me at all. Usually they they just piss me off. I know off. you don't usually like that stat. And stuff, there, there's a, there's a lot of repeated panels in Mister Miracle, but I think they're done for uh, they're they're put to good effect, and it's all in that nebulous stage where you don't really know if this is all happening in 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 the confines of what we know. It could be somewhere else. It could be. Uh, it's I, I haven't pinned it down yet. Dap, what do you think? Of Mr. Miracle? No, whether or not it, it's it's obvious when it when it takes place, where it yeah, it's obviously not a surface tale. There's there's nothing about it that lends me to believe that what we're shown is it. There's more going on beneath that surface, right? Again, I, I just go back to the 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 cohesive unit of the the twelve issue story that's being told. All that shit really doesn't matter. No, it 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 doesn't matter uh, as far as you know what what does the rest of the DC universe think about this? Where does it fall into place? And it's it's self contained. It's twelve issues. You get to the last page. It's not continuing. And and it's Tom is savvy enough to use the character's history as a member of the Justice League. Dealing with Oberon, uh, dealing with his family, and it's everything you need is in these twelve issues. Now, whether you want to think if whether you want to contemplate that Scott was able to commit suicide, and this is all what he's thinking in his in his final moments. If you want to think about that, you know, this is just this is 
this is the the ultimate ish Mr. Miracle tale and and whether or not any other writer picks up stories with Scott and Bart as baby it, it's it, I don't I don't think there's anything when I think about it I I I feel like it does it it does a disservice to the story if I try to speculate on where it goes from here. It doesn't need to go. It's like, I mean, Jason mentioned Watchmen earlier in our interview, and, and it, it it's like Watchmen to me. We don't need anything beyond this. Everything is right here. I don't need to worry about what the other heroes think about what's going on here. I mean, you got, you got pages of Scott and Barta sitting in traffic. I don't, I don't need, Bendis's thoughts on on anything he needs to pick up from here or anybody else's really. I just this is I'm not I'm not about to say this is perfect comics, but this is everything I need in this story is just right here. I don't need to read anything else. I don't it doesn't need to tie into anything else. I don't need to worry about um whether Booster and and Beetle will mention anything about it in Heroes and Crisis. It's just this is it. This is this is everything I need is is in these twelve issues or will be in the hardcover when I get it in a few weeks. But that's it. And and I keep asking myself why? Why were these creative decisions made? Why the glitches? Why are the glitches well, that, uh, there? Right. And the pitch feels like like when we're going into an issue, there's a an audio overlay in a sense with the, the caption boxes that that reminded me of the 66 Batman show, right? Can our hero escape the clutches of the despicable granny goodness? Only time will tell. And and it's like an audio lead in, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the issue, you get a lead out with that narrator doing the same thing. And there, there's a, a, the each page, every page has a glitch, which could lend one to believe and and me included that maybe this is a televised broadcast mr miracle performs his escape acts on tv he's a celebrity right mm-hmm. so this could be a dramatization of a chunk in the life of mr miracle the character mr miracle broadcast from somewhere right it doesn't sure. it, it it could be a um fiction I mean, it's all fiction, right? But this could be a fictional construct within a larger fictional construct of the DC universe. Like maybe someone within the DC universe is watching this broadcast. And Mr. Miracle, the real, the real, real in quotes, the real Mr. Miracle lives or exists outside of that fictional construct of the this Mr. Miracle television show. Otherwise, what's the purpose of the glitches? I'm sure they're not just, yeah, fuck that page up by putting glitchy things on it. That's not how Tom works. No. Or no, Mitch, right? No. So, so the glitches were put there for a reason and the, I gotta ask myself why? Well, it could be a television show. It could be a broadcast. Sure. That's, that's, that's a valid theory. That, but I never I, ever want to know. Right, like I, right, when, when right. we meet Tom, I'm not gonna like, dude, what's the, what, what's up what's, here? What's, what's with the pink stuff? Yeah, I, no, I, I don't want to know. I don't. Right. Well, right. I mean, we, first of all, we've talked to Tom about this, and he said his whole goal is to leave it for your interpretation. Sure, yes. but I mean, so if we're we, not going to know. I mean, we're not now. He may have. He in his own mind may have had an idea of it. Yeah. Um, I remember <laughs> after it finished, there were lots of articles 
emphatically saying, oh, see, this proves he's dead. See, this proves it was a, but like, it was just funny because there were equally emphatic articles interpreting it in all the different ways, which was funny. Right. Which is amazing, um, right? That It's just funny to me. I have to say, like, I guess I didn't expect we were going to be doing this deep a dive. It's funny to me to hear you describe the book because you talked about it and I think you totally didn't talk about the aspect of the book that I think is the profoundly most important message of the book, which is it's about Tom's uh, trying to synthesize his own fears of coming from a bad childhood and what that does to you when you're a parent. And I like that's I and I took that hold of heart because I guess I I re, I, I resonate with that life with that life path. Like right. you didn't even mention that, and I was like, well, that's the book is about his his fear of parenting, right? And that's I, I you know I, I'm completely on board with that, and it's it that's been documented by sure. you know the the author and other people. So I didn't even go there. I I'm I was just looking at it from not going into the source material, which is Tom, right? I mm-hmm. was just looking at it as a a story around built around Mr. Miracle. Sure. Yeah, sure, it's. It, that's there but to me that i don't i don't this may be taken the wrong way but that was the instigating factor for the fiction i'm not sure that i in this instance that i need to know that was the impetus for what goes on within the pages Mm -hmm. which which seems hypocritical because i watched the bonus features on the dvd Right. I listened. Mm-hmm. I listened to the director commentary. It's important, but within what I was going into here, it's it's not. But of course, sure. it's important. That's why I said we really need to go into this as a book of the month, somewhere down the there line. We can't do it now because this is going to be fresh here, and clean and clean. Well, let's speak on this book you begged us to read, and I'm glad I did. I prompted the dudes to read Peter Can and Thunderbolt one and two from Dynamite, which is written by Kieran Gillen and masterfully illustrated by Casper Wingard. What'd you think? This book is special on a whole level. It had no business being special. <laughs> right, right. It It is a massive genuflection at the altar of Watchmen, though. Yeah. It is. Well, and Kieran is, for those that don't know, he is an unapologetic, humongous Watchmen mark. Yes. I mean, as are many people that came up in that era for reading comics, but he he is unapologetically influenced and an absolute fanboy of that work. And he he is among the many, probably myself included, that considers it the seminal work in in American comics. Right. Uh, But for those who don't know, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt was the template upon which Ozymandias was built for Watchmen. Peter Cannon was a Charlton character, as was um, all of the characters that Alan Moore took and eventually became Rorschach and um, the comedian, uh, was the peacemaker, um, uh, Dr. Manhattan was Captain Adam. Uh, So there's a... Owl Man. Yes, there's a metatextual aspect to this book, but... Um, and I went in when I when I read issue one. You can go back in in the audio archives. I talk about it, so I don't want to rehash anything that we already went over. Unless you guys want to. The big picture: an alien invasion is created in order to unite the countries of Earth. Where have you seen that before? Right, it's the end of Watchmen. But P- 
Peter Cannon Thunderbolt being the uh, enlightened soul that he is because he was given access to the sacred scrolls. And in reading these scrolls, he was elevated both in body and mind. So he deduced that, wait a minute, I'm the only one that could come up with something like this. There must be another me out there. And there is. There's an alternate dimension, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, looking into the proceedings and pulling the strings on this thing. So in issue two, Peter Cannon says, all right, I got an idea. And he's much more eloquent than me. Here's what we're going to do. And he, and he, he has Taboo, his, ex, his ex-lover, constant Guy Friday, uh, the thing that dispenses the lime that makes the lines on a baseball field what's that thing called the line maker whatever yeah, let's just call it a line maker yeah he he makes the the group lay down on the ground while taboo draws a grid around them comic book panels on a comic book page and what gillen's doing is saying that peter cannon is so enlightened that he knows that he is a character within a sequential art piece. And he uses the formal aspects of comics to transport himself and his group into the dimension where this alternate Peter Cannon Thunderbolt resides. And I saw that and I was like, that is fucking brilliant. They create a comic book page on the ground with the characters each residing in their own panel. It cracks the reality of the narrative to the point where they are literally lifted out of the page and into the page where the alternate dimension Peter Cannon resides. And I was like, Jesus, that's smart. And why didn't um, Morrison think of that for Animal Man? It's on the same level as Buddy looking at the reader and pointing, saying, I can see you. Like, that's the same conceptual hook albeit painted in a different way, right? It, it was brilliant. Did you guys think the same way? Of course. <laughs> I was a little leery because you mean? there's a stigma associated with that logo on the front of the book, that Dynamite logo. You expect, as a longtime Dynamite reader, I say this, more often than not, Dynamite books are puerile fantasies featuring women in various states of undress, they're produced for titillation and they exist on a scale. If we did the highbrow, lowbrow scale, dynamite usually falls around a four and a half, five. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's being kind. I love their books. I really do. I mean, you have other ones that, that push the scale up a little higher. It, it happens, right? But more often than not, dynamite is known for a certain type of book. Mm hmm. The fact that they have cosplay covers featuring scantily clad women, it, it, it lends a little bit of credence to my argument that the, the, and, and the, the whole bad girl formula is, is queen at Dynamite. Betty Page, Elvira, Red Sonia, Vampirella. Like they have a, a stable of good girl artists that, you know, some more successful than others, but the, 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 it seems like the thrust of the publishing company is to do, you know, some top level stuff while at the, the meat and potatoes being this cheesecakey TNA type 
bad girl story. But, I mean, that works for me. That's why I love their books. They also have a tendency to publish pulp characters. That's another arm of dynamite. But more often than not, I think the money comes in more uh, mostly from these these cutie books with, you know, women leads. So, but I, I there's a stigma attached to it because that's dynamite logos on the front of this. This is by far the best thing that they have ever ever published in only two issues. You are far more qualified to speak on the catalog that they've uh, put out than I am. So they they publish fun comics that speak to mm-hmm. a very specific audience, whether you're a pulp fan or you like beautiful women. Like, but it's it's decidedly midbrow, you know. But Peter Cannon. It's off the scale in in terms mm-hmm. of in terms of experimentation and right. uh, and analysis and it, the, the, there's a, a sequence in issue two where there's a character in here called the test who is a a, a kind of look alike act alike for the Joker he's even got green hair and pale skin but he has machine guns on his on his for hands right and he and he's sitting at a table and his mouth is full <laughs> and he's he spits a mouthful of raspberries on the table and it, it splays across the table in a way that we've seen somewhere before because when the camera pulls up and we're looking at a top-down view of this table the table is <laughs> the table turns yellow as viewed in a monitor from the um peter cannon from the alternate dimension it's a yellow circle with this red splotch at you know whatever angle and then there's two dots they're not eyeballs because they're not close enough but they're they're pulled to the the periphery of the circle but they're on the same if you drew a line from one you could you know you could it it would be a fairly straight line to the other one again it's he's playing with the mechanics of watchmen that 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 image of the bloody button that is burned in all of our brains now becomes the table around which the uh Peter Cannon and company are sitting. It's freaking masterful. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much going on in this book, right? In the sense that, like you said, it's so meta because it's a character that most of us don't have much of a reading history with, who was the impetus for more to make into Ozymandias, who we all know and view very highly. And then you bring Peter Cannon back, and he's basically going to war with Ozymandias. He's going like, to war with himself, yeah. Right, but 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 the but the but the Alzheimer's version of himself. I mean, right. it's basically the Watchmen version, right? Who, yep. And and that is just like it sounds simple, right? Like saying it, like oh, okay. I mean, but I mean, considering how hallowed Watchmen is, and how these Peter Cannon as a character has been around in different forms for a long ass time, it's pretty goddamn brilliant. Yep, it's pretty brilliant, and um, I I can presume uh, that that taboo in other versions of Peter Cannon was not his lover, right? So that's kind of a right, yeah, right. So yeah, you know, they're they're mo- from a different time. Yeah, modernizing that. And, uh, this is not the first dynamite um, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt book, right? right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I yes, I know that. <laughs> the and it's nice that they they connect the two because in the previous one he did in fact create a dragon which is is nice a continuity bridge mm-hmm. but i think wingard's art is just so good it's great yeah, yeah it's absolutely great 
and in the alternate reality taboo the the uh canon took were led to believe took taboo's consciousness and put it in a a robot <laughs> body because so fucked up <laughs> he's so bad that his his uh guy friday kept trying to commit suicide yep. so he put him in a body that he couldn't uh kill it's 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 crazy yep now nah, dude you were right i would have never touched this book but good on you yep and when um the alternate peter cannon dispatches one of the uh the quote good guys what is the shape on the wall it's a symmetrical rorschach yeah it's it's very yes yeah yeah it's nuts it just boggles my mind how good this thing is i'm glad you liked it hell yeah dog does my heart good look we're just pleasing each other left and right here it's like it's like we're at a jupiter florida massage parlor well, I got it in your travels. That's probably going to please you even more. Ooh. So, oh, boy. But Ooh. I want I want to hear what both of you are grooving on. Try, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I don't want to be a downer because uh, there's a book that I read caught up on that I thought I was going to love and I didn't really vibe on it. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, so I'm not going to get. I'm not going. I'm not going to. I will tell people what it is, uh, but I'm not going to just. I'm not going to smirch it. I I just I read up to issue seven in Black Badge by uh, by Tyler Jenkins and and Matt Kent. Oh yeah, and I just it just didn't. It's just I, I'm not going to continue with it. It's just not vibing with me. Um, wow. It's not, yeah, it's not connected. Yeah. It's that's an anomaly. No, it is. It is, and that's fine. You know, like again, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to shit on the book. It just just not connecting with me. Um, so I'll leave that there. Um, not that we don't talk about Avengers enough, but I, I thought that the last couple issues of Avengers were awesome. Good. I read 15 and 16. I thought they were great. I you know I. I this this run that that Jason's putting together is awesome for me though I'm still struggling a bit with the one million BC thing like I'm I'm still not quite like in love with that as a concept but when we're dealing with the modern era stuff it's fantastic I love the supporting cast I love the setting I think he's got all the characters interactions with each other right so yeah I mean I, I and I think. I don't know what's going to happen with Dracula, but I know it's not going to end well. Yeah. Like, they're, like, like I hope they're not dumb enough to believe in Dracula as a victim seeking asylum because it's fucking Dracula. Like, like that's not going to last. No. What do you think of Blade being in the Avengers? I mean, I have no issue with it. Yeah, it's kind of it's a bit like a Wolverine type thing to me with with him being in a in a group that traditionally doesn't walk the dark path that he walks right but he doesn't really kill humans right at least not no i guess he kills familiars right but i mean it's okay to kill vampires you still he's still, right. he's still killing right but yeah you know cap would have tried to find a way to reverse the curse or something or you know right, or, right. or tony would would at least take steps not to totally eliminate the foe Whereas mm-hmm. Blade just, you know, you're gone. Yeah. So anti-hero, yeah. I think it's cool for now, but I don't want to see him stay in the Avengers. I mean, yes. I don't think he will. I, I think in the mechanics of the story, they need him because who knows vampires better than Blade? Sure. I mean, I'll be honest with you. This is probably not going to sit well with you two, but I'm less interested in Ghost Rider being in the Avengers. I can't say I really know this kid that much. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not... 
that uh, up. I mean, I read the the couple issues that introduced him, and I thought they were fine, you know. But I I just think it's a blip. I I don't see him sticking around as as the the spirit of vengeance, mm-hmm. or or one spirit of vengeance. I mean, we'll see. It's been around yeah. for a while now, but yeah. I mean, it's cool. I mean, who doesn't like muscle cars, right? <laughs> mm, me? <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I don't like actively dislike them, but I'm I've never been a muscle car guy. It's not. Oh, I love that whole car culture. Love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you throw me a Fast and Furious movie, I'm all about about it. But by the way, that new one looks great. I didn't see it. <laughs> didn't see the, the ad. Oh, it's so good. And they're just fully embracing the, the absurdity now because uh, Idris Elba, who's the villain, he's straight up super. He's he's straight up superhuman. Nice. He's got super strength. He's got invulnerability. Is he so. in everything? He is in everything. He's taken over um, as Deadshot in Suicide Squad as well. Nice. Well, Will, Will, doesn't wa- Will doesn't want to do it. I guess not. Are you crazy? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Whatever. I lost Will Smith's number, so I haven't I haven't talked to him. <laughs> he'll get back at you. Yeah, he'll holler at me. Yeah. All right, everybody, let's let's uh, do this the right way. If you would like to get any of the things we talked about and, and go see if you can still get uh, Jesus Freak from DCBS, uh, there's only one place to go, Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Write these down uh, or not because, you know, I'll repeat them. Avengers, No Road Home, trade paperback from Marvel, fourteen ninety nine. Batman, Last Night on Earth, number one from DC is two ninety nine. And from Kevin Eastman Studios, Drawing Blood, Spilled Ink, number one, is $2.19. And here's where I make both David and Jason happy. Speaking of Jason Aaron, I read the Ghost Rider War for Heaven, book one, which includes Ghost Rider 20 to 32 and Ghost Rider Annual 1 and 2 and the Ghost Rider Saga. And it's one of those things where, like... Mr. Miracle, what the hell was my problem that I wasn't reading this when they were coming out? Remind me who drew that? Oh, a bunch of people. Roland Bashi? Yeah. Right. Some that's of it. Yeah, that's what um, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm Hot. What? Yeah. It's not a complete Jason Aaron book because there's a Cy Spurrier story in there mm-hmm. and there's a Stuart mm-hmm. Morris story, but the annuals are not Jason uh, Aaron. But the, the, on, the 20 to 32 is completely Aaron and he just does not give a fuck. He goes in with the most ridiculous premise <laughs> that there's a group of gun-toting um, nurses, of all right, things, right. Yep, yep, yep. that are uh, thralls to this Zadkiel who wants to ascend to the throne of God, and he will do it by any means necessary, but he needs the energy from the spirits of vengeance and Aaron creates all these iterations of the spirit of vengeance based on the location where they're from. Like there's a Tibetan one. Uh, I thought it was great. And, and he just doesn't care. It's like he sat down and said, how ridiculous can I make this? All right. I'll have a stretch of highway haunted by the ghosts of cannibals. And I'm going to do this little scene where the last surviving um, relative of why all this bad shit happens, he's going to cut the hand off a deputy and chomp on it as he's driving in a, a stolen police. Like, why? It's just ridiculous. You, you have gun-toting nuns in this thing. Uh, it, it, it's crazy, and I, and I loved every bit of it. 
I, I wish that they would approach Ghost Rider this way now. But the thing that surprised me the most to, to cement the fact that Jason Aaron doesn't give a shit, the earthly arm of Zadkiel is a previous Ghost Rider. Yes. Which is crazy. I never liked the character that much anyway. <laughs> and and to to have him turn on his brother like that, Danny Ketch, it was awesome. It's just, it's it's a whatever works type philosophy that I just totally embrace when it comes to comics. It, 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 there, nothing should be too outlandish. You should just, if you go down the road and drive as far as you can, and when you can't drive anymore, knock down the barrier in front of you and keep driving. Like, just make it as crazy and as wild and, and as off the wall and outlandish as possible. And that's what this is. And, and I thought it was great. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. I'm glad. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I am going to recommend a book that we've all talked about in the past, because uh, I'm about to read issue number 14 after issue 13's awesome last two pages. But uh, The Immortal Hulk. Ooh. By mm-hmm. Al Ewing and um, Joe Bennett. However, issue 14 is illustrated by Mr. Kyle Hote, and it looks fantastic, as it should. Um, but the, uh, the, the whole Hulk in Hell arc was um, climaxed beautifully it was uh especially with all the characters involved um and and kudos to al um borrowing what bill mantlow did with puck which probably should have never happened but since it had and and is canon um he he used it here the absorber man plays a part and and uh digs deep to um kind of make better choices but uh overall yeah it's just been fantastic um nonstop it's it's a book that really doesn't let you catch your breath uh and and i think al just seems to be having a blast with the character seeing how far um he can take them and uh and yeah like i said that last page in 13 um was a bit of a gut punch but the penultimate page when you see somebody and, and that, that character is wearing a, a t-shirt with a, uh, Marie Severin caricature on it. Um, it's pretty cute, but yeah, I, I need to, uh, I need to read 14 with the quickness, but yes, in your travels, if you haven't, if you've been sleeping on it, shame on you and read the immortal Hulk. Good advice. I respect that with the mostness. Yep. Honestly, my inner travels was going to be imploring you all to watch deadly class. So we already took care of that, but uh, I'll throw something of a similar nature out. Don't want you to read something. I want you to watch something. And that is if you did not avail yourself this weekend, like many of us did to the tune of $455 million worth worldwide, do make sure you go and see Captain Marvel in the theaters. Uh, It was wonderful. And uh, I am not fortunate enough to have any daughters. Vince, you do have two daughters. But I have to think that this movie would be extra, extra special if you have a daughter. Um, I mean, my sons loved it, but but I think that uh, there is a tremendous amount of positivity and uh, and and and, um, you know, it's a very. I don't want to say it's a feminist movie, but it's a a movie where 
the 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 leader the female of female forward, right? Female forward, and and if really frankly, um, much I'm sure to all the clowns out there, the misogynist hater aid, um, Carol's pretty much the most powerful person in the Marvel universe outside of Thanos, at least for based on what we've seen so far. And I think that's fine. And I think she, I think that uh, Brie Larson was awesome in the role. I think it was kind of weird seeing Samuel Jackson as a star of one of these movies. <laughs> you know, he's he's been in so many of them, but only in these little bit parts. And to see a guy who has admittedly been in a thousand movies as an elite actor finally be, a, you know, one of the main characters again is, was great. Um, and uh, look, I'm a I'm, the '90s were my formative years, so. Uh, Loved the soundtrack. Really loved everything about it. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's it not is, that I need to tell you all to go see Captain Marvel, which is why I was going to say Deadly Class. But since we already talked about that, it was um, yeah. My my wife thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, the character Carol wasn't over the top. She wasn't uh, positioned to be this ultimate badass or or uh, just forced. To make you believe that you know she could do these things, she was just her. Yeah, you, you you get knocked down, you get thrown off, and and pick yourself up. And it fantastic message in the movie, and it was yeah, it, it it was a really great time. It's not perfect, and I'm not trying to make it out to be, but it is. It's it's from start to finish. I, I I had a real good time with it, and yeah, if if um based on what we've seen here, Thanos does not stand the chance in a few weeks. So. Um, I second Jason and, and implore everybody to go see it who hasn't. Well, there you go. More good advice. Hey, everybody. If you enjoyed what we all did here and you want to get in on some other extracurricular EOC activities, you can come to our Facebook groups. There's more than one, but uh, there's a, a main 11 o'clock comics Facebook group and a bunch of different offshoots. Everybody seems to be having a great time. Uh, we're on the Twitters, and there's that Patreon thing. Check that out, Patreon. I heard of that. Yeah, check that out, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe, and you'll get Doing there. Doing big things over there. True, and um, just for uh, just to whet people's appetites for more, if you're going to C2E2, I'm going to bring a bunch of things along with me that may you get you even more excited for what we do here samples as it were you'll be able to get some to see some merch that we have <laughs> that we have cooking <laughs> love it there you go so say good night who that david good night who that david nice Go to the movies, people. Say goodnight, Do it. gentlemen. Goodnight, gentlemen. Goodnight, gentle people. Nice. Well, you are gentlemen. But yeah, I get right. you. Bye. Bye. Ladies. <laughs>